Welcome back to Goals and Boards, everyone. As always, I am your host, Gio. With me, Villavanco is not here just yet. He will be here. He will be here. But Brad Crosley is here. And a special guest from KC Comics, Mr. Eric Berger. How is it going today? Hey, everything's up to date in Kansas City. Isn't that what they say? <laughs> hey, I like that. Brad, how's it going for you? Great, great. Glad to uh, have uh, excited to have Eric on the show, right? Get some Kansas City perspectives. Always a great thing. So, yeah, excited for the show. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to this one. I'm definitely looking forward to some of these topics we're going to be covering, especially given that this week has 11 games or one game has played 10 more games to be played. Uh, before we get started, though, if you are new to the show, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you hit that bell icon. Make sure you share it. And if you are rewatching it on Spotify or listening to it on Spotify, make sure you hit that follow button. Leave us a rating. Don't be mean. Don't be mean. <laughs> we, we got one mean one so far out of the 10 reviews we've gotten. Don't be mean. <laughs> it's probably because we pick on people, but it's all good. Oh, good. Without further ado, let's dive right into this. Let's talk about Outlaws and Empire. What were your instant reactions from that game, Brad? Uh another collapse from empire right i mean they have moments of brilliance right um some great play in the game and then they just seem to fall apart after halftime it's it's a shame and obviously you know again a lot of new a lot of moving parts there a lot of new parts there so it is a work in progress but yeah it's a shame to see them their third quarters have not been the best for them so yeah, I mean, so for those that don't know or didn't watch the game, especially if you're in the East Coast, it was a late game. Empire ended up falling 10-5 to the Strikers. They had a debut of one Miguel Ponce, who did find a connection with his former Chivas uh, partner in uh, Marco Fabian. It was a wall of score, nonetheless. Yeah, one touch, so I don't think it counts as a wall of score. <laughs> I was waiting to see who was going to Yeah. Uh, Eric, we we need a we we need to get like all of the the wall of score council and and get together and go over these wall of scores because I've been I've been torn with some of these highlights and the the calls being called as wall of scores. Brian Como and I had an exchange over this. I mean, if if you want to be when he set this up, it has to be the the original touch. You can't take a touch and then score. You, it's got to go off the wall, and you got to hit it first time in. Uh, if you watch the replay on that one, I think Fabian took one touch and then and then shot it. So, but it's good that everybody's saying Wallace score on air now. So it's not like just one or two broadcasts. That's true. That's a good point. That is a definitely a good point. I mean, I love that saying. So I'm glad it's back. I'm actually glad to see how much. And I think you and Nick mentioned this on your last game, how much people have been using the boards recently. So um, I am going to, you know, tip my hat to the, the Mexican teams because that's something that they've done in the regional leagues and stuff like that. And to see it being implemented back in the league, it's great. It's great for the, it's great show. Hey, Brad, really it's like we're going back to the 1980s. Don't so, do that. Absolutely. <laughs> I mentioned this to somebody this past week. The game had gotten so technical, and I think a lot of it futsal, where 
yeah. lot of it was the quick passing and and it had gotten away from more of the bang it off the boards connecting and i and i feel like this year in particular uh teams have reverted back to that and are experimenting with that and maybe if people want to be selected as the wallace score of the week i don't know what it is but whatever it is it's working <laughs> That's what it is. I think that's what it is. But let's get back to the Empire. So I have a question for you, Eric, and I'm gonna I'm gonna swing it to Brad as well. But if the Empire, we saw the the holes that they had against Outlaws, right? Whether it was the sloppy passing, the silly mistakes, obviously could have been due to pressure. It just could have been they had a new member join, so they're figuring each other out. But if the Empire's goal is to make it to the playoffs. How do they make it happen? Well, the teams in front of them have bigger challenges than they do. I mean, I think it's safe to say San Diego's not going anywhere. Texas, for me, is a top five team. There's so much talent on that team. Uh, I have some thoughts on on how you approach a game against Texas, but it's a, a different story. Chihuahua, I think their challenge right now is mm-hmm. tired of playing Monterey. Give us somebody else and we'll see <laughs> where they're at. I don't see Tacoma dropping. So I don't see where the pathway forward is for Empire. I mean, it's going to take somebody stumbling for them to get up there. And, and I just don't see it. Man. Well, I mean, it's a rebuilding year, right? So in, in doing so, Brad, what do they need to fix to, to make it happen? Uh, well, quite a bit, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I, I completely agree with Eric, though. Uh, I, I don't see those those four teams moving anywhere. Um, Tacoma has looked uh, rather well this year, I must say. Um, so, you know, for Empire, like I said, they got, you know, new coaches, a lot of new players, a lot of moving parts. That takes some time to kind of get that stuff to gel. Um, you know, speaking out of the last game, if you if if you watch the game, it was so many unforced errors out of the back, right? Very mm-hmm. just very easy giveaways in the back, unable to clear their defensive third. So um, obviously that needs to get cleaned up uh, because you can't give it away, you know, in your defensive third, especially not as easily as they as they have been. Um, and you know they just have been having some some really poor second halves to games, so. Um, you know, they made they have made some interesting changes, right? They they moved Miatovich up front, which at least for the time being looks like it's paying off a bit. Um, because he's had some some pretty nice goals up there. Um, uh, but they they're really struggling defensively, though, I think. So I don't know if their plan was to maybe try and outscore teams, but that doesn't seem to be the pathway forward either. So uh yeah, they gotta clean it up in the back and just stop making some silly mistakes, but to Eric's point, um, yeah, San Diego, Chihuahua, um, Texas, and and like I said, t- Tacoma. I don't see them going anywhere either. So it's it, it's going to be tough. Is it, is it crazy to think that? It, well, before let me say hi, people in the chat. Keith, Capes, how's it going? But glad glad you guys are here with us. I don't know what that question's about, where it says, "What's up with all the crazy rush plays in baseball?" As you all know, I'm an avid baseball viewer. <laughs> so I have no idea what that's about, but I'm sure I'm sure once once Phil gets here, Brad and Phil will have a, a field day with that. But uh 
Yeah, I, I don't Empire. It, it's 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 a it's an uphill battle for them. I think the the crazy thing to think is if we see Chihuahua play, they have a long season ahead, right? They they they're gonna play San Diego a few times. They're obviously gonna play Empire. Uh, Empire. They're obviously have uh, two more games against Monterrey. That's a long day for them. It's it's just it's just is it a possible scenario to have a playoffs without Tawawa given their 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 schedule? So so walk back before they played Monterey and they were two and zero. Everybody's like, oh, we're, this team could be repeating, right? So understand they've already played Monterey four times. You know, there's only two more to go. I, see how they compete against the rest of the league. I think that it is way premature to write off the Sabres. Of course. Yeah. So it's the reality of an unbalanced schedule that you, you look at teams at certain points of the season. There were, there was a lot of criticism by UCFC's uh, the way the start of their schedule launched ironically one of the fan bases that was complaining the most might have one of the easiest schedules in the league and so i mean everything's rel- relative yeah i just i just feel like chihuahua has gotten the short end of the stick until the end of the season right because then that's when they play tacoma twice they play again a game against empire and the harrisburg twice but throughout that they're going to be playing san diego and finishing up their series and they'll be playing you guys that's going to be an interesting game you guys have a long trip to Mexico. Hey, this week's <laughs> going to be amazing trip. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, I was trying to to wait to, for Phil to get here to get into this conversation, but Phil is not here, so we're just going to dive right into the battle Actually, of the East. Yeah, right. Yeah, really quick. Yeah, I just wanted to, I I wanted to get Eric's perspective on something just really quick while we're talking about Empire. Um, what are your thoughts? Did you? Was did you find it interesting that they have just you know they brought Clay Roberts in on like this consulting uh kind of uh contract or however you want to say it? Um, what are your thoughts on them kind of trying to bring Clay Roberts in? I'll have all sorts of thoughts. So <laughs> let me let me take a walk back. Paul Wright is a legend of indoor soccer and there is a the culture the rules how things operate are very different in 2024 than when he was playing and i think that he's had to adjust to the evolution of indoor soccer where it is and so if i read jeff burham's quotes about this correctly it was paul wright who reached out for help and said, I need somebody who can kind of walk me through where we're at. And so let me me offer you a a couple distinctions, right? Empire put a real premium on combine and college draft selections in terms of player movement, et cetera. The college draft back in the eighties, Brad, had pretty significant uh, direct impact on rosters. Right. I think we found in the first couple years of the combine and the the college draft in the MASL that hasn't been at the same level. And so all the fans have been hyping up 
hey, combine, college draft, when are we going to see players XXX on our team? It hasn't materialized the way it, it did back in the 80s. Look, it's Phil. And so I think Clay is sort of a transition like, okay, let's let's do a little bit of pivoting here. I uh, was checking out photos right before we got on air. It looks like Clay is coaching Empire at uh, the coaches' convention oh. tonight against uh, San Diego. And so I think that was a, a legitimate request for help. Yeah, and uh, Brad, he's no—he's not just a consultant. He is actually the assistant coach because that's what they said on air their last game. But wasn't he going to consult? At least what I thought I saw in the release is that then he was going to move back to Florida and consult from home. Right. I, I think he was just going to be there for a little bit, something yep. like that. Yep. He was going to be the assistant coach while he was there, and then he was going to, yep. you know, tele-remotely consult. Phil, you made it just in time. I did. I did. You make it. <clears throat> I made it just in time to, to clean up the point with with uh, one of my famous sports analogies. We all watched college football before, right? When the, 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 the team hires a former head coach to show up on the staff to be either defensive or an offensive guy. And then six months later, what happens? He's the guy. He's the guy. <laughs> We've seen it before, <laughs> right? Look, Phil, Phil, Phil came with a, a fire tonight. <laughs> he came out saying, I don't know, though, because I, I, I feel like they're trusting him to build a roster completely. It's tough to allow, you know, this roster to be structured and then to say, like, oh, yeah, Clay's going to take over once once the season's over, right? That's That's crazy to think that, right? Um, no, I don't think it's crazy. I think, <clears throat> I think the move, what Eric said, I think was, was, was the most, you know, it's the green part of the bullseye, right? It, it was sort of the ask for assistance and the, you know, and that's what's being sort of given here so, and ad additional sort of experience. Cause I think my, my assumption is the analysis was, there was a little sort of help needed with with in-game adjustments, second half adjustments, things like that. So they bring Clay on to sort of help in in that realm. Uh, I haven't dug into the stats, but I would imagine if you've looked at Empire sort of splits first half, second half, they would be telling, which is why um, oh, yes. you know a, a move like this would happen. For sure, for sure. And Phil, the reason I said you made it just in time. Is because right. we were just about to dive into the Battle of the East. And Love. I wanted to make sure you were here. And for those that don't know what I'm referring to, is this weekend the top three teams are going to square off. They're going to have some – these games are going to have significance on the standings. Potentially we might have a new leader in the East. Potentially we won't. It all depends on how the dice is rolled. And the first matchup, it's between the two teams that decided to have blue turfs, and that is one Utica City versus Kansas City. Eric, let's start with you, since since uh, Phil always gets to talk Utica. Boy, <laughs> let, let me let me let me have my moment, Phil. Eric, what what is the path forward for Kansas City to get these points? 
consistency in the transition game. And uh, I, if you look at the injury reports for both teams, Kansas City's looking healthier. We have uh, – I, I looked – so both teams sent out their, their game notes. Berto Palmer, he's off. So you've got Palmer and Vandergriff back into this in the lineup where you, I mean, Vandergriff's been back, but they missed, uh, they missed Berto when he was gone for sure. I mean, we could talk about Empire missing Berto, but that's a previous segment, right? Right. Uh, I think that you know what to expect with Utica, the game they're going to play. Kansas City just has to be disciplined to play its its game. I think that Kansas City is more committed defensively. But part of that is change in coach and change in personnel. Berto right. Palmer was so good for Kansas City before he showed up on the injury report. <clears throat> that those those games against well, the game against Milwaukee, where Kansas City handled them, he was he was tremendous, and I think he made the was it was it a Harrisburg trip too? He made, um, he was he was so good, and then he showed up on MASL Monday with us and disappeared. Um, so yeah, I know. Sorry, Eric. The James, the James, <laughs> and then we had Andrew Coughlin. He missed a week. Anywho, um. I know. If you're a Tacoma fan listening to this, I'm sorry. Uh, we, we just we just had Chris Toth on. The path forward for Kansas City is 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 what Milwaukee did. That blueprint, right? Sort of. We we've said on the show a billion times, right? Utica plays futsal, right? They're not playing the traditional indoor game. They're playing futsal. They want to draw the opponent out and then hit them, like Eric said in the transition, right? So what Milwaukee did was kind of just wait for them, right? Let them sort of get forward. They'll make a mistake and boom, you know, Milwaukee went the other way. Um, that's that's how Kansas City is going to win this game. Well, what about the flip? How, how does Utica win this game? Utica wins this game exactly the opposite, right? Just flip it around, right? Be, be patient with the ball, right? Try to isolate one-on-one -on -one going down the wings, Right with Nilton, with Ronaldinho. Assuming they make the trip, assuming they travel, we're just going to talk in those regards, right? Because stranger things have happened. I, I I made a comment last time we talked about Frank. Sort of is this style sort of fitting him? Right, this futsal style. Well, he just got called up to the U.S. national team, so he, you know maybe something's going right there. Um, how how does Utica? I, I they have to limit those turnovers and those naive mistakes that they made in Milwaukee that they made in Kansas City. I think they need to sort of get tighter. To they gave Mick Pereira so much space um, to operate. Right, they got caught and then Nick sort of punished them. So my guess is, um, you know, all, all of those things I said before. The big one sort of is play a, play a real good away game, right? They played a real good away game in Tacoma for like three and a half quarters. And they yeah. didn't finish those chances. And then, whoosh, you know, 
But it did. It did seem like a, a an illness bug was going through Utica, especially in the goalkeeper ranks too. Yeah, I didn't know Brian was sick for that game. That's crazy. That's I mean, that could be sick. why the other guy started, right? Yeah, that he was sick. The, I would just add to what Phil said. If, if you watched what Texas did here in Kansas City to beat the Comets, and you've seen flashes of this, including St. Louis, although Coach Stokic puts a premium on the transition game, that's where Kansas City's gotten better, but that's an Achilles heel too because there's a tendency for, for players to want to press high, to attack high. When the Comets lose the ball, all of a sudden – you find sometimes deer in the headlights uh, situations. And, and I mean, for me, uh, watching Ronaldinho play, he's the type of player who could counter Kansas City really, really well because he's fast on the counter. Uh, it, it's not like Kansas City has the most fleet of foot defenders. And so if, if, if Kansas City loses the ball, just like Phil was, was cautioning UCFC losing the ball, it creates some problems. That's a huge field too. It, it, it's not <clears throat> Kansas City is a bigger one of the bigger ones, right? So it's not, you know, your Baltimore's of the world or your, um, you know, Chihuahuas that are that are shoeboxes, right? So midfield is important in these types of games, and and you know Utica's been losing the battle of the midfield in those last couple of ones. Um, so that's where that's where they need to sort of win those because as Eric said too, they're you know Chad and and Berto and and Sosa they're amazing players. They're not very quick. So if if you know the chaos happens in the midfield and goes the other way, you know. Yeah, I, I, Utica is, is um, I don't want to say their transitional game, but more so their possession game leaves a lot to be desired. So I I, I think. They need to to stick to that game plan if they want to win. I mean, Kansas City, I felt, is a lot better with that possession, right? If if they can't get the goal off of the transition, they can always reset. I feel like they feel more comfortable. It's just Utica. I don't know, that, that possession game. Uh, Brad, you were going to say something? Yeah, I mean, look, Utica wants to run a gun, right? They've scored the most goals in the league so far. But on the flip side, and we talked about it uh, last last episode, um, they have given up the third most in the entire league, right? Um, only only worse is is Dallas, um, and Harrisburg. So, um, to Eric's point, you know, Kansas City, right? Be be smart defensively, right? And then take advantage of kind of the lack of discipline, so to speak, for. For Utica, right? Because, like I said, they give up a ton of goals, right? So, play smart defensively. Make sure you're holding that that run and gun style that Utica likes to play, so they can't get off running again in the in the transition stuff. And then, right, have your goal scorer show up. You know that Kansas City has has plenty of that, and take advantage again of um, kind of the the lack of. Uh, defensive prowess that Utica kind of, kind of plays with. But both teams have big-time scores. Uh, Rion Marquez is off the injured list, too. And so I think uh, what's been interesting for Zach Ruggett, he's scoring a lot of goals, but 
He's been having to carry the target position for most of the year. We saw the return of Leo the Legend to the goal scoring this past week, but getting Rian Marquez back in the lineup, it creates some challenges for Everton in terms of, okay, which body am I going to be defending with whom? And and so I, I think there'll be a little bit of coaching chess match and uh, a lot of excitement on the field. If I'm Utica too, right? Because they've got they've got a Missouri weekend here, right? They do. So if I'm Utica, I want to load up on this Kansas City game too, because to me the St. Louis one doesn't really do them any favors, right? I, I want to make that statement in Kansas City. I want to put all my eggs in that basket because that's the important win. That's a signature win. That's a win they don't have on the resume, right? If they go into St. Louis and win, we're all going to be talking the same-ish we've been talking about Utica, right? So they need the the Kansas City scalp more than they need that. I, it was bad timing rubbing my head when I say scalp. Um, they, they need that three points over Kansas city more than they need the St. Louis one. So if I'm Utica, I'm putting all my eggs in that basket too. Yeah, that's a great point. So for those that don't know, or haven't seen the schedule, Utica's first game is against Kansas city on Friday the 12th at eight Oh five Eastern time, Eastern time. God's and country. Then <laughs> Utica goes and plays on Saturday on the 13th at 7.05 Eastern time against St. Louis. I think it's pretty unanimous here that we think Utica is going to win that game. I don't know. St. St. Louis, Louis can ball. I, I, I'm telling you, a lot of people are sleeping on St. Louis, but they just they just got a new forward in a league way. So they, they, got they, they might not have been – they might not be winning game, but, man, they are playing some teams very, very tough right now. They just have to be consistent on finishing. I mean, I think if you if you watch them, there's games they haven't been able to put away. Yeah. And there's a lot of chances where you would say, oh, if they had just finished that chance. This goes back mm-hmm. to game one against Milwaukee where they yeah. took them into overtime in the season opener two to one. There were many opportunities that weren't converted. And so, sure, um, you bring in a new target, but you need more people than – Will SK scoring goals for you consistently. Right. Yep. That last five minutes was tough to watch in Baltimore. That was Unless you were these watch. guys who enjoyed Touché. it very much. It wasn't was, tough for me to watch, Phil. That's a fair. Touche. It was a moment that I would like amazing. to relive. Very <laughs> much so. The energy in that arena was fantastic. Uh, so then – of those three, uh, obviously, we're talking about Utica, Kansas City, and now we're going to introduce Monterrey. Kansas City turns around on Sunday the 14th at 4.35 Eastern, heads down to Arena Borregos to face the Monterrey Flash. Go back to where are the Flash on Saturday night? Yes, they will be at Texas Mesquite Arena facing off with the Texas Outlaws. So here's my question to you all. And we'll start with Phil, just because you don't have skin in this game, except the fact that you want Monterrey to win. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, who Who is going to be in a better position after, given their schedules 
to actually take these points, right? You have Monterrey, who we know how they travel. So when they're in, in Texas, they're going to take who they can take versus to when they're at home and they mm-hmm. have a deeper roster. Does that give them that edge, or is it just Kansas City just having a, a long day? It, it's so hard to sort of, you know, we'll see who, who Kansas City travel to, and Eric probably has more insight on that one than I do. And that kind of shapes the game. My assumption is now Kansas City has an extra day of rest, right, just mm-hmm. looking at the schedule, which is probably mm-hmm. going to sort of aid them because I would imagine the game – Monterey, Texas, and let me tell you, I think Texas has a has a shot here, right? I, I think they have a real big shot to, to pull this one. So that's that's a dogfight on Saturday, and then they have to turn around 24 hours later, less than 24 hours later, you know. Traveling roster sort of, they might leave some players home with some rested legs. <clears throat> um, but I think Kansas City have the advantage because an extra 24 hours rest, I think uh, the traveling squad for Kansas City. I'm I'm gonna go out on a on a on a decent limb and say most of the players are gonna be traveling okay. I mean Eric would know more than me, um, but I I think Kansas City has a shot at this game for sure. I haven't seen the traveling roster, but we reported on the Blue Turf podcast. My my partner at that Bell mm. did that. There's gonna be 16 field players and three goalkeepers flying to Mexico for those three games. And so there are a few options there. It's it's Monterey on Sunday, Monterey on Tuesday, and then Chihuahua on Friday. And so it's not just we're going to take 16 and take our chances. There are some options for some pivoting throughout the week. And comments are so deep. Like, they really are. They are, you know – they're they're almost Chihuahua level deep because they everyone that sort of first season plugs right in, knows the system, starts contributing right away. Um, you know, much more so than any team in the East. Kansas City is is so plug and play and so deep. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point, uh, Brad. Wh- what do you think about Monterrey and once they're at home, right? Could they, could they just add another notch to their belt? Oh, I think they definitely can. Um, you know, this is just brutal scheduling just for both teams. You know, I'm, I, I don't think I'm stating anything that's not too obvious to everybody. Um, you know, I think you always have a bit of an advantage when you're playing at home, obviously. Um, you know, again, Monterey playing on a smaller field, kind of used to that stuff. Um, and, man, how can you – it's almost like how can you bet against Monterey at this point when you just see what they did to to Chihuahua the last four games, right? So I think it's a tough hill to climb for Kansas City. Um, obviously, absolutely, they they have a shot, right? They're they're one of the best teams in the East for sure. Um, will it be enough to take them to, to take down the Flash at home? I don't know, um, but I'm sure looking forward to watching that game. And as you mentioned, that is another blue turf. <laughs> that's right. I, Gio, I think the company line is Kansas City wants to come out of Mexico with six points. And where I get to that is they uh, 
bisected the the schedule into uh, four sections: the first six games, second six games, third six games. And the goal was to be five and one minimum in each of those sections, right? So they did five and one in the first section, but uh, you can kind of do some math that doesn't allow you a lot of movement here in the in the second section. But um, yeah, three points I think would be respectable however you get there three points would be respectable coming out of mexico anything more would be gravy but coach stokic is a competitive guy and he's not going to be happy with just bare minimum it's it's uh i spent a a good amount of quality time at at, uh, practice sessions when i can and uh just around the team and the players and uh this is a team that wants to win it all it's not we'll be fine if we be uh, finish ahead of Milwaukee. I mean, there are a lot of people in Kansas city that would be fine with finishing ahead of Milwaukee and that would be a successful year, but uh, Stokic is in it to win it. You did a very provocative photo Kansas city used to promo the Utica game. Yeah. So what's funny is I got a message from, from Everton. Uh, I posted it on the, uh, on my uh, Instagram story, it's uh, it's Zach Ragged pointing to the figure, right? And uh, I think it's safe to say that Everton uh, messaged me and, and said, uh, "What? He's getting married?" <laughs> <laughs> so that's too funny. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I think uh, there's some hard feelings in, in in the comments land about losing at UCFC in the playoffs. I, last year for sure was not the Comets' best season, but they thought they had enough to go in and beat UCFC. And really, they had that game under control and let it slip away. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I called the game from a radio uh, station in Kansas City for, for Kansas City Radio, and uh, it felt like a time lapse. Uh, it's slow motion, Segura's goal. There's guys all over the place just doing this and then the ball <laughs> kind of goes in and yeah um yeah there's a there was a bad taste after that and then you saw the comments make changes this summer after yeah. that and so that's not acceptable which uh i i think if you're a fan of any team in the masl you would want that level of accountability you would want an ownership group that is committed to winning and not just doing enough to get by and, and I think that's what gives Comets fans hope is that this team is committed. It may not happen this year. There are good teams in this league. San Diego Soccers, they're good. Monterey, they're yeah. good. Uh, so two, two comments in the chat. Michaela says, hello, Eric. That is hey. Obviously <laughs> directed at Eric and Keith. The West teams are not going to be sitting back and watching the top three teams because they have a battle of their own, which is a great segue to talk about the East. Look at you, professional. Uh, you know, I'm learning. I'm learning. Can the Outlaws stay on top or will San Diego take them over this weekend? Here is the schedules for the both of the teams. As mentioned, Outlaws will be facing Monterrey on January 13th on Saturday at 8.05 Eastern Time. Turning turning around on Sunday, facing Dallas Sidekicks for their Texas 
rival showdown, I think is what they call it, at 4 p.m. And for San Diego, they will be playing, they'll be facing Tacoma on Saturday the 13th at 10.05 Eastern. And then turning around to head to Chihuahua, or sorry, no, heading home to play Apachanga Arena and at, on the 14th, Sunday the 14th at 8.05 Eastern. Who's coming out on top? Given these 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 schedules, uh, Texas or San Diego? Let's start with Brent. Uh, at, at the end of the weekend, I think San Diego will be the top of the uh, Western Conference. Um, you know, they got they're playing Tacoma, which you know that seems to be like uh, they, they just have Tacoma's number, right? Uh, Tacoma tends to play them tough at times, and then San Diego kind of runs away with it. Uh, so. Uh, I, I see San Diego winning that game. And then, you know, the Chihuahua game, uh, <laughs> San Diego has some uh, some unfinished business when it comes to Chihuahua, right? They, uh, they definitely were not expecting, nor is it acceptable for them to lose to them in the playoffs last year. So uh, I'm sure they've been circling this on their, on their schedule. Um, so, uh, you know, I think San Diego is going to come uh, away on top of the the Western Conference by the end of the um, by the end of the weekend. And interestingly enough, you know, uh, I, I do think Texas has a shot against Monterey, and then they turn around and play their uh, in-state rivals Dallas, who don't forget has already taken a win this year from from the Outlaws. So pretty interesting kind of storyline there. So if you if you're Texas, are you focusing? Are you circling? Are you putting all your eggs against Monterrey, or are you putting a little bit of importance against Dallas, or do you want to get embarrassed again? <laughs> I I don't know if they were embarrassed, man. I think that's a tough one, right? We kind of we kind of had them sort of as a <clears throat> let's call it a trap game, right? Let's use the old classic sports cliche there that it was a trap game. I've got Texas staying on top over San Diego mm-hmm. after this weekend. I think they've got just as good as a chance of beating Monterey as Chihuahua has of beating in San Diego, right? You can flip the narrative around that Chihuahua needs this game as much, maybe even more than San Diego needs that game. So I've got Texas beating Monterey. I've got Texas beating Dallas. And I've got, I, I do think San Diego will beat Tacoma, but, Man, I, I think Chihuahua needs that game. And, and you know, it's probably most likely, obviously, the Chihuahua will be the underdogs, right? And most likely event will be San Diego. But it's not without the realm of possibility for an overtime game, you know? That's how they won the playoffs. And all you need there is one guy to hit the top corner. So <laughs> my point is, I think... If you're Texas, you're putting all your eggs into that Monterey basket, right? You want that win. You want that three points over a very legitimate team, and you and and you have them in your barn. So so all of the things that we just talked about about traveling squads and stuff apply, right? Um, so I, I think Texas has as good as a chance, if not any team, to get six points this weekend. Uh, Eric, you talked about San Diego, right? San Diego is going to be hosting Chihuahua. Is, does Chihuahua have a chance like Phil says? Or is it just San Diego that could? 
I think if Chihuahua hadn't played Monterey four times yet, we'd be having a different version of this conversation because you take those games off the schedule and, and, and Chihuahua looks like they compete for sure. To a couple things that could factor into this whole weekend, Tacoma stars, I keep saying on air that I think they're a better road team and they keep trying to prove me wrong that, that they can <laughs> win at home. And so I think that, uh, that they're tired of losing to the soccers. Mm, and if you yeah, look at Tacoma's sure. season, it's kind of like a, a microcosm of, of Chihuahua versus Monterey. Yeah. Take out all these games that Tacoma has played against San Diego and then look at their record. Second thing, and maybe there's a question for you, Gio, is so um, according to my calendar, the Outlaws play the sidekicks on January the 14th. Isn't that the start of futsal camp? It, it is. It so is who will be – who will be there uh, in town still and who will be in, in camp? And so uh, I don't know the answer to that question, but before I would put any money on the, the outcome of that game, I'd want to know where Mr. Ortiz, Mr. Mendez, and Mr. Morales are going to be that afternoon. I have it on good authority. It won't be at uh, Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, okay. They're really good, right? They are. And they were really good at Empire. Can Texas still beat Dallas without the three? And, you know, it's for me, my reaction right away without even giving it a second thought is no. Man, I'd be putting Uzi up at Target and say, okay, Uzi. <laughs> Here you go. I was in um, I was in Mesquite for the Comets game there earlier this season. That was right after the loss against the Sidekicks. They were not the fans I talked to, the, the staff I talked to. They were not happy at all losing to the Sidekicks. It, it was a point of pride. Yeah. Like this was the first time in our history we lost the Sidekicks. So I think if if they are indeed without that trio, they're going to do whatever they can. Uh, just sure willpower to win mm -hmm. that game because it, it's it's a point of pride. It's not necessarily – I didn't feel it as a long-time rivalry thing, but it was more of a point of pride. Like, we're the Texas outlaws. This is our city. This is our region. And, you know, we got to take care of our own business. The trio yeah, still I mean, needs a name. We with, still got to – we got to workshop it more. Yep. Without those right. three, Benny Dantas becomes very important, right? And Chikunte too, right? And like yes. I, I I see a player in there and and now he's been in and out of the lineup, right? Coach's decision. Um, you know, I, I think you know, they, you know they've there's some depth there in, in, in Texas as well. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if the two of them have good games um in Dallas. Definitely going to be a fun two storylines to follow this weekend, Texas and strike or so, um, soccer to see who ends up on top. So for the sake of time, we're going to jump into our quick hits. So the way this is going to work, I'm just going to ask a question and then we'll just go around and kind of give our answers because I want to get to this and that. This is some juicy stuff that Eric is going to be pulling the hot seat for. So will the wave continue their run for those don't know they're going to face Sandy uh, St. Louis on Friday the 12th at 835. Then they'll turn around and head to back home to face Dallas 
on the 13th Saturday at 7:05. Could they? Could we see a 2-0 weekend for the wave? Let's start with the <laughs> Eric, since you know he loves the wave so much. Well, it's because the wave <laughs> loves me so much. <laughs> for all the grief that wave fans have given UCFC for their schedule. I think if you were to be scientific and look at strength of schedule in this league, you wouldn't be holding Milwaukee as the hardest schedule of any of the 13 teams. And so they should come out of this weekend 2-0. And then their fans should start having some reflective moments in terms of casting aspersions to uh, poor innocent teams in the Northeast that are just trying to celebrate their win streaks. That, that's a that's a nice way to hand it off to, to Phil. I'm not sure Milwaukee fans do self awareness. Um, Keith, you're a hundred percent right. Uh, it's a little bit of a recovery schedule here in January for Milwaukee. I'm going to call it the Oxygen Bar in Fremont Street. Have you ever been to Vegas? I'm going next week. Yeah. Have you ever seen the Oxygen Bar on Fremont Street and all the people laid out like this, trying to recover from their night out? That's exactly what January is. For the wave, they are going to six points. You can put it in the bank. Brad, you on the same page? Oh, as much as it pains me to say it, uh, yeah, Milwaukee's doing <laughs> a. There you go. Um, I'm actually going to say St. Louis steals a point, steals some points. Nice. I, I, I'm, I'm calling it now. St. Louis steals some points. All right, so. Ken, so Empire plays this weekend. Obviously, Tacoma's going to be facing San Diego, and then they turn around and play uh, Empire on Sunday the 14th at Toyota Arena. It should be noted that Empire then goes on Wednesday to play San Diego, but we're not going to dive into that. We're going to stick to this weekend. Can Empire take overcome Tacoma for their Sunday game? Let's go the opposite way. Let's start with Brad. Uh, no, they cannot. <laughs> so good. It's so cold. Phil? No, Tacoma are a really good team that just play the soccer's way too much. Uh, Empire not very good yet. Although we are contractually obligated to say Marco Fabian has been really good. <laughs> I am contractually obligated to say Marco Fabian has been really good. But no, Tacoma is... <laughs> A very good team that just keep running into um, the soccer's. Eric, you on the you on the same wavelength? Yeah, I would say the the shot that Empire has is you, Phil just mentioned the soccer. So the Stars host the soccer Saturday night. Have to get on a plane early Sunday morning from SeaTac down to uh, Ontario, and uh, Strikers will be a little bit more rested, but. I don't know. I mean, in the end, we talk a lot about these back-to-back games, but professionals and good teams find a way to overcome adversity. They they do. And so uh, it's the teams that don't find opportunities to have excuses for why they didn't. It should be noted that the some of the stri- some of the soccer's and and strikers are playing right now in their uh, futsal game at the coaches' convention. So. Not everyone's going to be rested. All right, I don't let's... think that the all-star uh, representatives <laughs> are, are on the futsal court right now, Gio. So at I least mean, the photos is... that I saw posted online, 
I did not see uh, some of the the echelon talent there. No, that's for presented. sure. That's okay. for sure. That's for sure. I mean, Charlie was probably the one that stuck out for me. But I saw Tavoy. That, I saw Tavoy there. Oh yeah, Tavoy was there. Right, 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 right. And, so, and Ruggles. Ruggles was there. I didn't see that one. Oh, so maybe we were wrong, Eric. Maybe. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see how, how it turns out. Now, this one's a little bit more of a this or that question. And will Baltimore make it three three in a row, or will St. Louis get their second win against Utica? Yes, I singled out Utica. Phil, let's start with you. Uh, does Baltimore get a win three in a row? Yes. I mean, yes, of course they do. Um, does St. Louis get their second win again? Yes. Yes, they do. St. Louis wow. gets their second win of the season against Utica. Wow. wow. So for the schedule, for, for the scheduled purposes, Baltimore is playing Harrisburg at TU Arena on Saturday the 13th at 1 p.m. Such a random time, by the way. Uh, and, and as previously mentioned, Utica will be traveling to the family arena to take on St. Louis on Saturday the 13th as well. That's a prime spot for St. Louis to win that game, right? We've got little bit of rest for Utica after a game that we've did what 25 minutes on about how much they need to win that game right St. Yeah. Louis is coming off of that Baltimore game they'll be hot they know they need that one travel in this league right they're not staying at you know the W right so they're going to have tired legs tired bodies tired minds this is a prime game for the ambush to win. And if you remember last year, the ambush came to the Adirondack Bank Center and won that game. SK had a hat trick. That's true. Tim Guernsey that's, had a hat trick. That's very true. That's very true. Totally forgot about that game. Uh, Eric, what do you think? Are you siding with Baltimore or are you singing the same song that Phil is? So if the Blast were playing anybody else but the Heat, that's the way I was going to start. I, I feel really sorry for Harrisburg. We, we, Got to call their game here in Kansas City. Uh, a lot of respect, uh, particularly for Dom Francis, who wound up scoring a hat trick against Kansas City. I, I just don't see the pieces in place for Harrisburg to upset the blast. So for, for me, that's an easier call. I think there's too many possibilities Friday night that could impact Saturday. Is everybody healthy coming through? UCFC will, I'm sure, take a bus from the Kansas city Metro area to St. Charles, but I mean, they're professionals. They have a professional coach. Uh, I, I think that UCFC should be favored going into uh, that, that game against the ambush, but um, the ambush is slowly starting to show that they've got some bigger culture. The, the pieces are starting to fit. I, I just think that if they had held on against Baltimore, I feel a little bit more confident about their chances this weekend. How about you? What say you, Mr. Crosley? Well, people might think I'm being a homer here, uh, and, may, and maybe I am, uh, but um, I sure as heck hope Baltimore makes it three in a row. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah, it, it's been right tough sledding for Harrisburg. Uh, again, pretty pretty obvious statement there. Um, but again, they have some they have some pieces there, right? Uh, to Eric's point, you know, Francis has been fantastic, um, but they, they're they're man, are they struggling? 
Um, so, yeah, I sure as heck hope Baltimore makes it three in a row there. And, um, yeah, I, I think Utica is going to have a little too much for uh, St. Louis. Hey, so, Brad and Gio, do you feel like you're the fifth team chasing a four-person race right now? Or 100%. 100%. Yeah, hundred, and and it, and it it looks a little bit daunting given the the schedule that favors a certain team that wears yellow, and them being seven points ahead of of the team. So that's a that's a long lead time for that tail we're chasing. <laughs> it, it, it is, and if you look at the teams that are above us, you know, I. I, I I really wouldn't see, you know, obviously I don't see Monterey going anywhere. I don't see Kansas City going anywhere, you know. So, uh, and, and then, uh, you know, Utica's playing fantastic. So, it's almost like, right, you're you're kind of chasing the team in yellow. So, obviously we got a lot of soccer to, to play. Um, but, yeah, to your point, Eric, absolutely. Look, uh, really slow start for Baltimore, right? So, they, um, yeah, they got, they got to get it moving here. It's really if The ambush win that the- game. That's that door creaking open for Baltimore. And then every matchup between Utica and Baltimore come a little bit more important because the team that's going to slide are the Riggies. It's not going to be Milwaukee. The Riggies. Yeah. I, I want one of those jerseys. I said it in the chat, can, and I'm going to say it right now. I you want can have mine. Is Michaela, <laughs> still in, is Michaela still with us live? Michaela, if you can put, like, you know – Outlaws and then Phil somewhere. I will wear that. I will wear that in the Adirondack Bank Center on Riggy Night. Or mount up. Put mount up. Ah, if there you she put, is. If you put the outlaws and then put mount up on the back, I will wear that at the Adirondack Bank Center for the game against the outlaws where Utica becomes the Riggies. Because it's no longer your team. <laughs> yeah, I'm rooting for the outlaws that night. I don't know who those riggies are. So if you can't tell, Phil's not a big fan of riggies. They're overrated. Make a vodka sauce, will you? Oh my! <laughs> All right, let's let's move on to this or that, because uh, Eric kind of laid out what a successful road trip is going to look like for the comments in in uh, New Mexico road trip. For those that don't know or ignored Eric, they will be facing. Monterrey on <clears throat> sorry on Sunday and then they'll be facing Monterrey on Tuesday <laughs> at 10.05 p.m. Eastern and then they'll be heading to Chihuahua to face the Savage on Friday the 19th so that's a short short turnaround time to play these huge games and it kind of laid out what success would look like for comments on that road trip and I've been dying to hear this answer Eric I've been dying. We're we're all gonna answer, but I, I I really am dying to hear this answer. Zach Reggett for MVP or Nikolai Neto gets goalkeeper of the year. Which would you prefer to have? That's different than what do I think is gonna happen. <laughs> you probably right. prefer both. Yeah. Well, I prefer both. Um you know, a couple of weeks ago or a week or two weeks ago. There was this hype that it's become Reggett versus Morales. And all of a sudden, Tacoma's doing this Nick MV Pereira thing because look at the leaders and who's back up there at the top. And so I think that um, as it stands right now, it's going to be a, a, a huge battle between the three of them for, for goal scoring. And uh, with Neto 
he's he hasn't been a hundred percent health wise, but this is the best season he's had by far, and he has uh, more um, consistent defense in front of him than he's had at any point in his career. I think that uh, there's a, a goalkeeper in Monterey that may have something to say about who's goalkeeper of the year, but um, I, I made it very clear last year I voted for Boris Pardo for MVP, and it was because there you go. We had this conversation, Phil. Yeah, we did. Opinion in the modern era, in any era, if you can finish the season as a goalkeeper under a 4.0 goals against average, you're MVP of the league. And Nick Pereira knows I voted for Boris Pardo, and I think he's tried not to take it personally. But if Nicola Neto were to finish this season, um, assuming the Comets continue to play well, and he's at 3.7 something. Maybe you start talking about him in, in bigger company then. Well, not expect. I was expecting a, a solid answer here. Come on. I'm always <laughs> a, a great answer. answer. What are you talking you know? about? I'm no, always no, a nuanced answer. I'm You're never no, going to get kidding. me to say the world will end if Zach Reggett's <laughs> not MVP. I mean, Zach Reggett's going to do what Zach Reggett's going to do, but, but he is a team guy if, if i've learned anything about zach raggett in the time the short time i've spent uh with him sure it's nice to get player of the week but but he's about team and you see how the guys connect with him on and off the field at the practice facility and anywhere else he's all about team and i think what you're going to see with the comments is it's not just zach but it's guys saying hey, my contract's up. Offer me something because I want to play with this guy. I want to play. I'm going to be part of this team. I want to be part of this culture. He's like the Pied Piper. And uh, uh, whether or not he gets MVP, I think a lot of the changes in terms of the Comet psyche are attributable to him. How about you, Brad? What you going with it. so uh the only reason i'm answering this the way that i'm going to is because in another segment i already picked an mvp um i you know i had picked morales for mvp nothing against like right reggae freaking amazing um but in a prior segment i had picked morales for mvp so i'm going with uh neto for goalkeeper of the year that's a good choice he's giving me a lot of fantasy points so i'm i'm, I'm excited for it <laughs> Phil, are I'm still looking up New York Pizzeria and New Berlin. Um, oh, my my early goalkeeper of the year was was Andrew Coughlin, right? And, but he's sort of been out for a couple of weeks. Neto has had an amazing start to the season, um, and I don't want to take anything away from him and his accomplishments. Um, but I I am I am the semiconductor of the Zach Reggett MVP train, so that's where all of my stock is. Uh, I've like I said I've I, I'm sitting now in Delta Comfort of the Zach Reggett MVP train, and uh, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna live there. Yeah, I just ordered some dinner, maybe from New York Pizza. Not a sponsor, could be. <laughs> I, I would I will also be boarding that engine engine number eight, as you famously said. Number nine. I, no, but no, he was referencing the last show, Brad. Come on, Brad, get with it. <laughs> Not right. On the Casey traffic line. 
when uh, the train goes off the track. Hey, hey so Gio, uh, we, we mentioned on air um, because Harrisburg was in town. I can't tell you how many Kansas City fans were upset when Kansas City traded for Reagan, traded away Mike DeSilvia, uh, Lucia Tetsane, and Richard Schmerman. The world had ended here in Kansas City. And it's amazing how many people have all of a sudden forgotten the pain, the hurt, the horror of this, because that's going to turn out to be one of the greatest moves in Kansas City indoor soccer history. 100% right. agree. Because look at how many of those guys were playing for Harrisburg. <laughs> those, those, those pain points have... Uh, it's the Mike Piazza trade. <laughs> it's the Mike Piazza trade when the Mets traded, uh, when they got him from Florida. Look it up, kids. The Mike Piazza. Didn't trade. I mention baseball was going to find its way into the show somehow? Well, you I, have I, me on the show. Of course it is. I, I said it. I said it. Once Phil gets here, Brad and Phil will find a way to talk about baseball. All right, let's move on to the next this or that. If you could pick one, I know you would love to pick every single one, but if you could pick one a young up-and-coming player in Kansas City to become a star in the MASL League, who would you choose? Uh, if you put me on the spot today, I'd say Leo Acosta. He's seriously good. I have a 1B, but but you said pick one. So well, you, you could give us the 1B. We want we want to hear we want to hear him. Um, Baltimore's. I mean, uh, Brad is a scout for Baltimore, so. <laughs> <laughs> So in terms of field players, Acosta, um, who, by the way, did play M2 for Chicago Mustangs. He's crazy good. Mikey Lennis would be the 1B. He um, was part of the Sporting Kansas City system and um, got signed. He's really good. But but uh, I vividly recall calling the Comets game against the Texas Outlaws and Phil Lavanco lighting up my phone about this goalkeeper, Philip Ejimadu. He was like, legit. He's just got to get playing time. He was He's legit with a capital legit. Oh, Phil, I'm, I'm assuming that's your choice then. Yeah, I didn't know I had to do this or that. I thought no, I was no, just making I, the question. It, 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 was, it, was, it was great to, since, you know, he gave you the, the, the lovely pass. All you had to do was tap it in. All right. Uh, and then I, yeah. Go ahead. It's the goalkeeper. Go ahead. Keep moving. <clears throat> this, I think, is the biggest question for me. We know you are a LA Lasers fan. We also know you love the Central Cup. But if you had to choose for the return of one of these two, are you loyal to the trophies or are you loyal to the badge? Oh, man. So I'll answer it this way. I'm going out to San Diego in February to watch the Comets play there. And I'm going to be hanging with some of my former LA Laser fans. <laughs> from back when I was in high school. So um, I got asked recently about I mean, how legitimate would it be bringing back the lasers in LA? I mean, there, there's all sorts of challenges with a team. You'd have to do it a certain way to, to make sense, but some of the best years of my life, and I'm not talking about like soccer life. I mean, life were, we're watching LA lasers soccer. So no, the Central Cup is more me bashing your former co-host on in the box. That's just me 
trolling them for all the <laughs> smack they started because they didn't have a team who could play in the Central Cup. You know, it, it, it's funny you say that because I've been thinking about the Central Cup recently, uh, more so in the sense of like the Cascadia Cup, right? It would be kind of cool to have like something like that for the, you know, the Kansas City, the St. Louis in season, right? And then just whoever finishes better when they play each other should get awarded the Central Cup. I think it'll just be some fun fan engagement to, to do something like that. It could be like a a trophy that has a barbecue rib and a toasted ravioli piece and you could kind of like meld it together and uh there you go i mean the cascadia cup is fan created fan yeah, generated right. you know it, it it had nothing to do with the league in fact when mls tried to sort of you know take it over, take it over they got a lot of of, of flack for that so yeah you know fans that's the groundwork is there yeah, I think it'd be really cool. Really exciting. Seattle Sounders, big shout out. Of course. Of there course. Of I, course. I, I think if that were to happen, Kansas City would take it so seriously. There's like these point of pride things with the comments I'm starting to find out. There's there's definite point of pride things with the wave. There's some uh let's just say long-standing feelings with the blast, which it, it, it some on the field, but mainly off the field, but but uh there's passion about beating St. Louis and it, and it got turned up this year because of MLS, but um, it, it's pretty serious stuff. <clears throat> all right. It's time. It's time for the all-star team or all-time team. We, we Phil, we made a, a I typo. Decision. That's a typo on my part. I, I wanted it's, to start. A, a, I said, all time. no, no, no. But, but it, we made a collective decision to go with all time. Oh, okay. So, so we're going to put Eric on the spot here. And if he had all the funds in the world and all the magic in the world to bring back any players that he wanted, who would be your starting six? Yeah, I'm going to do this with a caveat, Gio, just because I get so frustrated uh, with people from my generation and older who say that only good things happen in the 1980s and everything has like fallen apart since then that I think we, we overlook some of the flaws back then and don't realize how the game has evolved, how physical fitness has evolved. And some of the stars in the eighties would be sucking oxygen, trying to keep <laughs> up with some of the players today. And so it's kind of like the whole Babe Ruth thing. Would you want Babe Ruth on your team? Well, does he have to actually run or not? Right. So, um, where do you want to start? Do you want to start up top? Do you want to start in the back? What do you want to do? Let's start with your favorite your favorite call, goalkeeping. I, I, so this is going to probably shock some people, but um, I think where I would want to go with that is Paulo, and I'll tell you why. If you if you go in into where the game is in 2024, we're not going back in a time machine back in the days where defenders actually took goal kicks before there were goalkeeper distributions. You can actually find video that shows defenders taking goal kicks indoors. It's, it's cute, right? <laughs> it is cute, but um, you have to be able to play with your feet now. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's some great goalkeepers back in the day who were great shot stoppers, but I don't know how they would play it with today's rules. So Paulo's my guy. 
It's a good goalkeeper, man. I, when uh, he was I, here in Baltimore, like when, yeah. when I saw him coming off the line, I was like, this is like another field player. Is this even fair? He's just great with the ball at his feet. Could you imagine if he had played his entire career with, say, the Sockers or whomever else and wasn't having to spend all his time shopping, uh, stopping shots and, and keeping his team in games? What would his stats look like? What would the narrative be? You know, oh, what would the narrative be? Yeah. 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 All right, let's move on to defense. I may go back into the into the the, the machine here. So um, I know that there's soccer fans here who are going to want me to pick Kevin Crow first, but I want to go with Fernando Clavijo. So for people who don't know who Fernando Clavijo was, he wound up playing for the U.S. national team, but he got his start with the New York Arrows. And um, for me, the first great two-way player. And and mm. and for me. I like two-way defenders. I don't want somebody who's only going to play offense and isn't going to come back. And also the guy who hangs back but doesn't get involved in the game that doesn't do much. So um, he may not be the guy who, when they do like the 50-year team, which will be coming up in, what, 2028, he may not be first team, but that's where I would want to start. It's funny you mention him because I was literally just talking to to Mike from uh, Front Row Soccer about, yeah. about him literally just a couple of days ago. It's funny. Uh, and may he rest in peace. He died too soon, but mm -hmm. uh, tremendous player. He he wound up working his way uh, all over the the uh, MISL, NASL. Played for uh, uh, the Lasers for a while after I'd left there. Played for the Soccers during Soccers early run, and um, just a tremendous talent for sure. And a huge part of FC Dallas's academy setup too. That's right. With has fun which has funded the national team for lord knows how long yep very good very true very true uh, and who would be his partner well just because now i've got a i'm looking at all this the soccer fans i'll go just this is historically that um kevin crow was the best what i would call more pure defender he played um, not only for the soccers but he played for us um, a olympic team He's somebody who played both well, both indoor and outdoor. And um, I don't know that there's been anybody since. I mean, we have Chad Vandergriff in Kansas City who's who's really, really good. Win a couple more Defender of the Year awards, and then you're in that, that category. I mean, for me, it's got to be somebody who's won multiple Defender of the Year awards who would get sort of in the all-time docket. Yeah, uh, so I just realized I never asked you for a formation if you were going to go with two midfielders or two strikers, <laughs> but I'll leave that to a surprise, right? Yeah. Uh, if, if we were to move on to midfield, who would you have in midfield? Do we have to have any midfielders? Uh, it's, this is your team. This is your just team. Just pick three. Just pick three. Yeah, on you, the can, you, you, you can have a, a, a false midfielder, as we will call it now. Yeah, so let's let's just throw three up front and see what happens. So I'm going to start new before we go old. I, I don't know that we have appreciated what IB26 has done in a time where teams are playing 20, 24 games versus the previous eras where they were playing 40, 44 or 48, 52. His numbers in a compressed season game level 
extrapolated throughout his career. He's an all-timer for me. And, and you look at how he takes care of his body, how he reads the game. I think that he would have been successful back in the 80s, in the 90s, in the 2000s. And since we're playing this game in 2024, granted, he's not as young as he was 10 years ago, but I'm signing him up. It's a good shout. Yeah, he, he, he's an incredible player. And who would you tag tag out along with? Well, so so I could go in a couple different directions. Am I looking for individual players, or I'm looking for a pair who would play well with each other? Oh, because tell me, tell me, tell me what you want chemistry wise. <laughs> no, no, I, I, you tell me what you would you would pay to to see. <laughs> if you're if you're if you're bud and you're putting together the team well i i say things that bud doesn't agree with and so <laughs> he's just like huh it's like no you don't make sense so i'm just gonna ruffle his feathers and say i'm gonna go tweener and more npsl era than than masl and i'm gonna go um zoran karich and hector marinero and so if you look mm -hmm. at all-time numbers in indoor soccer mm -hmm. They just dominated people for years in terms of their on-field presence. And so when they were both on the field at the same time, you didn't know who to defend. And, um, you know, Tattoo obviously deserves con consideration all-timer. His game was tremendous. Jungle I mean, goes without saying. But if you look at, at um, the way the game has evolved, it'd be really interesting to see how jungle would have had to adjust his game in, in, in the, the more feet of foot fleet of foot era and, and, and the way it's, it's technical. I, I do think there's some other modern players who would deserve consideration geo. So I, I, what I trying to do is respect each of the eras and not just say it's going to be six MISL players, or we're just going to get modern players there. So I try to thread the needle and get all three eras. I really like doing this, and I might even have us do it. Not today, obviously, just for for time's sake. But this 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 is fun. I love the. We hear, should like, pick some all star teams around halfway through. We should we should halfway through the season. We'll we'll revisit this with some all all star team. Well, the other thing I'd I'd like to say because we were talking before about if it were just a this year all star team, I think there would be a lot of younger players, and that's yeah. what's what's really helpful for MASL. If you look at the U.S. futsal team. Um, and and look at the future of, of the MASL sort of based on the players there. The three guys in Texas, for sure, you add Ragged to it. I mean, th there are some players in this league, this league should be proud of, that would compete at every era. And I, you know, I wouldn't feel like this league has to apologize like, oh, it's not the MISL when there was no outdoor league and, and so it's indoor soccer with an asterisk. I think that this league can hold its head, collective heads high and say, we have talent in this league, period. Not, we're sorry, we're not MLS, but we do the best we can. You know what we should do, Gio and Brad? We should have an episode and challenge ourselves and come up with one player on each team, 25 and under. Oh, I like that. I like that. Let's let's workshop that. I like that. I just I it's it's shopped. Okay, fine. 
fine. We just got to figure out when we're doing it. And we can yeah. call it we can call it the Eric segment. <laughs> Everyone, first of all, Eric, thank you for joining us tonight. This was sure. this is a fun time. Yeah. We really appreciate you ha having you on here. Phil, Brad, as always, is a pleasure to be here with you all, with you two. And for those that are watching, listening, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you hit that bell icon. Share the podcast. We're, we're continuously growing and wanting to keep that growth. And if you are listening to this, not live, but the day after or in audio form on Spotify, hit that follow, leave a rating, a nice rating, and have yourself a great night.